Guys, I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com, my friend Cody Nelson of 20 plus years. He's the optics manager over there. If you guys need any optical needs at all, anything to do with glassing, binoculars, tripods, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call. 602-399-3699. That is his cell phone. You can also text him at that number. You can also call him at GoHunt at 702-847-8747. I want to thank GoHunt Optics for their sponsorship of the podcast. Guys, I also want to let you know that GoHunt maps have been released and they are right now available to insider members. I have had an intimate role in this go hunt mapping process of uh, getting these maps just how we need them. They are awesome for Western hunters. Go hunt maps is built for Western hunters. Go Hunt's first focus has always been creating solutions for hunters like us to make them as successful as possible both for themselves and for the advancement of conservation. With the launch of Go Hunt Maps app, Western hunters are empowered to meet their needs all in one platform. Discovering hunts with filtering 2.0 and draw odds and preparing with expertise and gear and now take maps into the field. Guys, I've had an intimate role in helping develop the app and I think you're really going to like it. Make sure you're an insider member. So go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott and sign up for an insider membership if you're not already an insider. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That is the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. To find out more, you can go to kuiu.com, kuyu.com. It's a direct-to-consumer company. You can order all of the products directly off the website. That's the only place you can get it. Go to kuiu.com. PhoneScope is the adapter I use to take videos and photos right from my iPhone 12 Pro, right through my spotting scope or binoculars. Go to PhoneScope.com, use the JScott21 promo code, and you're going to get a 10% discount. Guys, let's get right to the episode. Guys, welcome to the JScott Outdoors podcast. We've got our friend Dwayne Adams on the podcast, and it's almost deer season. We just finished elk season, Dwayne. It's great to have you on. How are you? I'm very good, Jay. It's always good to hear your voice. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, first question I've got for you uh, before we get into deer was how was elk season 2021 uh, up there in Unit 1? Very good, Jay. Uh, the rut was uh, on from the first morning to to the last it, it just got better every day we, uh, everybody killed and killed some nice bulls so it was, a, it was a great hunt thank god um so as soon as you got up there the bulls were just ripping and tearing it up how would you rate it as far as a, a bugling uh september and season you know was it on par for normal or was it better than normal I think it was just on par and we I, we always have it we always call the 20th a magic day uh, guys that work with me that that the rut, rut, you're really probably swinging, you know, the 18th, 19th, 20th, somewhere in there. And, and, and about that time it was, it was just erupted. I mean, it, it, there were just bulls chasing cows. So it, it really worked out well. You bet. As far as the feed conditions up there in unit one, uh, with the big monsoon that we had, was it a noticeable difference in everything green or, or would you say it was average? unbelievable it's the best i've ever seen it in, in my life uh, i mean literally and it's hard to even say it jay but in places 
you know, where it was boggy, the grass was up to your waist, and, and a lot of times way over your knees. I mean, it, and that, that kind of made it difficult in some places because the grass is so high when we get into that burn that, my Lord, you'd trip over a stick or a log and you didn't even see it. So it, it was unbelievable. It's, it's best that I've ever seen it in my life. That's fantastic. And then I believe it was a early, was it early rifle or muzzleloader for the um, firearm season there? Yeah, it was an early rifle, but uh, I didn't have any. Uh, my wife broke her foot, and so I checked out of that. Uh, she broke her foot and had surgery, and I had a lady that was here that was taking care of my wife while I was on the archery hunt. And then so when I, I didn't want to stretch it out too, too much farther, so... She was, we were fly fishing up in Durango, and she slipped off a rock and, and broke her foot and had nine screws and a plate. So I, 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 she's always been so unbelievably helpful for me, so I, I, was just, I just had to come home. Yeah, very understandable. Um, okay, so good elk season, and we're right. You're literally packing the truck uh, for the early season uh, kaibab hunts. Um, how do you think it's going to be up there for this early season? What's your forecast? I think it's going to be unbelievable, Jay. Uh, look, uh, we got that rain. is a little late for the elk, which you know, but it was unbelievable for the crews there and for the for the, the mule deer. I mean, they, they had over two months of solid uh, growth from all that fresh greens up there. And, and I think, you know, the, the governor's tag, they killed that up there in the Kaibab. It's 266. You just can't grow deer like that, Jay, unless you've got unbelievable growth. I mean, uh, in greens and, 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 and I, it's just unbelievable. I mean, I think that, I think we're going to see some really monster bucks killed, uh, this year. Uh, what about some of the closures with the fire? Um, is everything back to being pretty wide open or are there still areas that are closed? Well, that's a good question. It, it's closed, and and I'm glad you brought that up because last year a lot of people left Jacobs Lake and went by the Game of Fish check station, and they got that lake that gate closed, and they had a mess down there. Poor people were having to back out of that mess, and I talked to several guys that it was just a nightmare. So I hope the people listen to your podcast. That gate is closed. The road to 22 is open in the bottom if you come in from Fredonia. That road's open, but they've got several roads closed still, Jay, and so uh, you better pay attention, especially if you've got a big fifth wheel or a trailer or a motorhome. You're not getting down that road there, so you better pay attention. I, I would recommend that you come around through Page and, and into Kanab and then, and, and then come in that way if you're going to hunt there or stay up on the highway because that's closing. Uh, one of my clients took a trailer up there to where we're camped and he said the canyon we go down there's he said that road's full of ice and he said it was treacherous uh that's gonna make um, snow so there's snow on the ground up there yeah that's what he said it was snow and ice all the way down that canyon there at at, uh, crystal springs so so that's you know like anything else the guy better pay attention because you live off in a ditch there uh, yeah, he said it was quite a bit of snow and it's still on top, you know, two or three inches. And, and in the shade, he said there's even more, but that canyon doesn't get, that canyon doesn't get any shade, doesn't get any sun. And, and for about two miles, it's brutal. So 
there's going to be a little bit of issues of guys trying to decide where they're going to hunt, right? Um, it's not as easy with those roads being closed where you have to go all the way around. So you'll have some guys that are camped way down on the bottom and then some people up on top, right? That's exactly right. And, and the deer already started to move, Jay. They, they've had two snows. And, the deer, and once that stuff starts to freeze, the deer start to drop. And so they're, they're, they're already, you know, below the below 22 and to all the way to the highway so that, you know, they're already 20 miles spread out. That's one of the things that that early hunt, um, they get caught in those transition areas and people have to, you know, figure out where they're at and where they're moving to, right? That's, that's part of having 40 years experience up there of knowing kind of where to look in the pockets where, where they might be. Well, that's, that's probably the best question you've asked, Jay, is, and, and, and it, once those deer start to move, they usually don't hang up in those trees. They move to the next next food, and it's that simple. And because and there's, there's not enough food down there until they get down to that next level in the oaks and they're down to the sage and the cliff rows. That's where they're headed, and so that's where they're going once they leave leave the top of that mountain. What about with the burns as far as those deer um, being in the open? Do you think that there will be some susceptible deer to, um, you know, the first group of hunters here? Whereas, you know, in the past, the I guess where I'm going is, do you think that this year, this, this first season could actually be dynamite because a few of those deer will be caught out in the open? Yeah, I do. Uh, about... I can't remember how many years ago, but we killed a 225 on the early hunt, and we got about four inches of snow about midway through, and we killed him down there where nobody looks, and, and, and he was right down there just feeding, and uh, Brett Kelly killed it with, with the client, and so he, I believe that's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, they'll, they'll start dropping down. I still think there's going to be some big deer up in those burns, especially the new burn on the north end. I think that's going to be just unbelievable. Uh, that, that one there because there's a lot of new growth there. Some of the guys that work with me have been seeing, you know, a lot of deer out there, a lot. So, but they'll start moving. You know how that goes. Once the 30 out six goes off, those deer are and down. Uh, with that being said, so you're headed tomorrow. Um, what's your forecast? And you'll know more after you get back, but are you thinking the late hunt this year just could be as good as it's been in a long time? Yes, I do, because, you know, you know how that is, Jay, <clears throat> and we usually don't have those deer down there where we can play with them until way later, and I think those deer are going to be there, so I think they're going to be on down to slide and jump up and, you know, on down to those, those places way early, and they may be even some deer down there uh, even now. I mean, they, once those does, they don't mess around. They just keep going all the way down. Uh so, yeah, in three weeks from now, that late hunt could be unbelievable down there. Well, um, we've got moon conditions, uh, going to be a pretty bright moon. Talk a little bit about your um, hunt strategy or hunting around uh, full moon condition. Well, you know, it's like anything else. I, I tell these young guys when they come to my school that people don't pay you to give them an excuse about the moon. They pay you to find deer. And... And that's why you're, I teach these guys or try to teach them how to be a great glasser because the deer have a tendency to get up in the evening earlier and they have a tendency to go to bed earlier in the morning. And it's that's been my my experience. And so you, you just start glassing a little bit 
in those places that you think they're going to come out earlier, and, and that's that's been my my uh, mo for chasing those big deer is they're they're going to get up, and if you're there, you got a chance to kill one. Um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, coos deer, you know, Southern Arizona was so dry, uh, going into the monsoon season. And obviously we had a giant monsoon season. Um, what have you been seeing out there as far as conditions in Southern Arizona, as far as feed and water tanks and available water and, you know, just how is it looking in general? You know, Jay, I think a lot of the farms didn't make it. Uh, I still, I just, we just quit giving glassing lessons and we only seen a handful of fawns and usually the does that we see, uh, will have one or two fawns. But I, I told Nick, my son-in-law, I said, look, Mickey, we've only seen a handful of fawns and I don't think they made it, Jay. I, I, I just don't think they had enough milk or food or, or whatever a mother needs to, and, and uh, I, 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 I've not seen what I, you know, 60, 70, 80% of the farms with those, I, I, it's more like 20%. How much of that do you think is they didn't have any cover um, because of, you know, how dry it was in late spring and there was literally no feed on the landscape? How much of it do you think is predation and, and they just they just got wiped out? I think it's all of that, Jay. I think I, I think it all mixes in. I think it's exactly a predation, and I, I think they didn't have the cover for the when the fawns were born. I don't think they, that uh, there was enough water around for for the does to make milk. I mean, they were struggling, struggling deer uh, to to get a drink. I mean, you know, the game of fish were hauling water like crazy everywhere they could haul it. You know, and. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it was just, look, it's, it was brutal. It was the longest drought, I think, in our history of our country. If it's not, it's up there close to it in, in the West. So uh, they suffered. And, and, and I think that literally the, that the baby suffered the worst. As far as bucks, um, what are you seeing? Um, what are you hearing as far as antler growth for, um, you know, was the rain early enough and did it really help the coos deer bucks and do you think the body condition was good and you know does that does that translate to good antler growth for coos deer in southern arizona i think it does jay if they made it through uh, the deer that i've been glassing uh nikki and i've seen some you know some hundred inch deer and even better and seeing a lot of 70s and 80s you know bucks that have made it but uh i'm not seeing i'm not seeing a lot of small deer that's, that's another thing, you know, like spikes and two points. And, you know, I, I don't know if they didn't make it. I, we're, we've only seen a handful of those deer out there giving the lessons. Uh, we've seen two spikes and a two point is all we've seen. Or we should see 25 or 30 of those those kind of deer every time we go out there. But we're not seeing them. So I don't know if they moved or they died or the lions got them. Or, but we're, we're not seeing them. I mean, it's pretty simple. We're, the deer we're seeing are mature. And 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 they, and they I think they survive better than the younger ones. Tell us a little bit about what kind of problem that could create. I'm thinking that you know it's three, four, five years from now. That's where we'll see kind of a void and maybe some of those those age class of bucks. Um, tell me if you agree with that or your thoughts as far as you know four years from now if there was a fawn crop that you know suffered how that translates to four-year-old bucks. 
where it's going to make a big difference. It's, I think that, you know, the game of fish cut the tags almost in half in Unit 33 this year in all in the hunts. I mean, they, they took a, a knife to it and should have because it burnt that mountain off and then there was nothing for those four deer to eat. So they, they whacked the tags uh, really good, and I'm glad that they did. But where, even where that, that didn't happen, those, those deer just didn't have enough. We were in 36B and C and 34A and, you know, Glass and Nick and I were. And, and I, we didn't see the fawns. I mean, I mean that's, that's the difference. I mean, we'd, we'd see a few, but not, you know, like generally you see a doe and you see a fawn. You see a doe and you see a couple fawns. We, did, we didn't see them. I mean, so it, the drought had a tremendous effect on those babies. Um, talk a little bit about the mule deer out there in, the, in some of that similar country. Um, do you think they fared the same? you think they fared better or worse uh, than the coos? I think they fared worse. Uh, I, I, same, same way. Uh, guy that described it for me for a long time, Frank uh, uh, Lopez, had his grandson out there. And this guy's an absolute killer. You know, and he, he said, we did not see a fawn to win. Not, not one. Wow. Out in the mule deer country? Yeah. He said, and, you know, his uh, grandson last year killed that, that, that buck that was 201. And the year before that, he killed a 170 in the same area. And and they seen some does, don't get me wrong, but they, there was no fawns. And he, he, he specifically said we did not see a fawn. That's certainly something that um, you would hope that the game and fish uh, wildlife managers will listen to and kind of take into account maybe adjust have to adjust the numbers you think well you hope so uh I, it's it's it, it's hard to to argue with the bureaucracy of of all that stuff because there's so much money tied up with everything so i i don't know but i would hope so but uh i mean we're kind of seeing that with this january hunt that, that uh they're leaning that direction and closing units down and I, I don't know what they're going to do in, in the long run. Probably go to a draw. I, I don't know that. But uh, you, you can't turn Phoenix loose in 37B. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, what's your thoughts on the trail cam ban that goes into effect uh, January 1? Um, overall, someone that's you know been traipsing around for as long as you have out there in the Arizona woods, um, give me your thoughts on 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 the ban and, and your just overall thoughts? You know, really, Jay, I, I don't really have any, to be honest with you. Uh, I think that it's a very argumentative point in both directions. So I think some people live and die with those cameras. And, and I think there's been a lot of controversy in both directions, you know, people stealing them and, I, and you know, on and on. So I, I really believe it boils down, Jay, that, you have to go glass. You have to go find the animals, and, and it's really that simple. And most people, it's easier just to take a picture and find one, and then surround it with fifty people. And and I don't know if that's what the game of fish are trying to get rid of. I don't have a clue. I do think that the game of fish have had a sick, have been sick and tired of the people calling that my camera was stole and and all the interventions are there. I, 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 I do know that, that that's going on, but besides that, I, I don't, I, either way, it doesn't matter to me because I enjoy going to glass. And so it's, 
pretty much that simple. The Taliban's a prime example of what I'm telling you, Jay. We, we don't run cameras because those deer are starting to migrate. And once those deer start migrating, that camera's worthless. I mean, you may get a picture of them, but they're going through to another place. So I know they're deadly in a strip because those deer are coming to those same tanks all the time. But, I mean, I... In in our case, you, you just better know where those deer are going and go look there. That's that that's that's what it works for me. And in the desert, they can be very efficient in finding a a big bucket of tank or a big cruise deer, and then you can hone in on it. But uh, I just always glass, and so I just use that ability. You talked about your um, glassing lessons. How you just kind of put a halt on them because hunting season started. Um, and I know the last time I talked to you, you know, COVID had kind of slowed down your glassing uh, lessons there for a while. But did you ramp them back up? And, and how is that going? And can you kind of walk through the listeners of, of how those go, um, you know, kind of from a from a um, daily standpoint of, of, of how a lesson goes? Yeah, it went really well. You're right. COVID really hammered it. And then, you know, once it, we started getting the shots and everybody got back in gear. Uh, Nikki and I started back up and it went really well. We had backlogged a lot of folks that were wanting to come, especially for the hunting season coming up. And and, and it went really well because, it, you know, I try to tell people all the time that uh, once you learn how to find animals, it, that's when it gets fun. And when you don't find animals, that's when it's not fun. And I, so I tell them, that's what I'm going to try to teach you here. Word of glass when to glass there, and when to move. And so uh, when I get done with a guy, I tell him, I said, you're going to be 100% better glasser than you were when you got here. And I said, but the difference is in a year or two, you're going to be 1,000% better because you're going to quit looking where the deer aren't and keep looking where they are. And, and I, I have a saying, I tell him, binoculars don't lie. And at first thing, they look at me like I'm crazy. And I said, they don't lie. Once you become a good glasser, they don't lie. Those deer are there. Am I seeing a hundred percent? No, but I'm probably seeing ninety. So you multiply ninety, ninety, ninety. I'm in the game. I'm finding deer. So it, it, we take them out early in the morning. We meet them at the Circle K and Oracle and take them out. And then and I teach them to keep the sun at their back. There's the food. And then every time we see a deer, I think the difference that it really blows their mind is I tell them what the deer is going to do. And I said, how do you know that, Dwayne? I said, that's the southeast side. You see that? The sun's hitting. And I said, where's the deer going? I said, he's going over the top. Watch him. On the back side is a northwest cut. So if that was a big buck, you better get around over there, and that deer's going to be there. And then you got to get the angle of the dangle. And that's where they get all confused. When I start talking about that angle of the dangle, I said, if you come in and you're on that northwest side and all you see is sun, I said, you've got a hook so you can see the shade of each tree. And then I keep working those angles. And once you learn that, this whole game changes and, and you're going to be in deer more and more. And, and it happened at each glass lesson. You know, we'd find deer. And I'd say, this place here is, a, is only a bedding area. And heck, half of those guys would find deer. And, and, and it was just unbelievable. They'd be all excited. I, I see it. I see it. I said, where's the deer at? They said, it's the northwest side. It's 830 in the morning, I tell them, right? That's where the deer are going to be from now on until about 4 o'clock. And then it reverses, goes back. They leave there and go back to the feeding area. And so 
we just get a great report, and and, and I want to thank you because there are, every one of these guys who came from you uh, on this podcast, and and uh, they said I listened to you about, about Jay Scott, and and I said and, I, and we just mostly want to try to help them, Jay. Yeah, I mean that's the whole goal of this podcast too is try and give people information that they can have a better hunt and be more successful. And there's nothing more rewarding than you know helping people and getting you know pictures and having someone send you a message of how something that you told them or something that they listened to uh from one of the guests helped them be more successful and i mean um it's it's just uh very rewarding for me to just try and help as many people as as we can and you know you and i are both guides and we do fine on our own and you know there are some people out there that don't want to share anything because they're you know, for whatever reason, they don't want to share what they're doing. I'm kind of the opposite. I'm, I'm happy to share everything that I'm doing in the hopes that, you know, there's somebody out there that will then teach someone else, um, you know, something they've learned. And, and so it's, it's a great cycle. Um, real fast talking about these um, early season coos deer hunts, you know, these October and early November uh, coos hunts, uh, specifically, um, I hear you talking about using the sun in the morning to your advantage, but talk about how that sun in the morning is your advantage, but that it very quickly turns into the sun, you know, as that sun, you know, goes west, uh, all of a sudden it creates shade. Um, is, is there one side of the mountain? If, you know, I hear you talking about one side and then they're going to move over to shade and then they're going to come back to feed. Um, is there one side or the other that you would tell people on early hunts to specifically focus on a certain vegetation type or a certain, um, you know, hillside face, you know, orientation, uh, and find more, more mature deer? Well, and, and what you're saying there is exactly what I teach in the class. I said, okay, we're there. As the sun starts to come up, you can see the deer. And as they leave and go on those northwest little cuts and in those hidden areas, that's where the class really takes off because uh, it's easy to see them in the open. And, 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 and I, I get them, Jay, so that they can hook into those sides and look into those shades. So I tell them, look, at 8 o'clock, you cannot look at those open hillsides anymore. They're not there. So you have to get to look into the sun. And so that's really the thing I teach them is you have to look at the sun after 8 o'clock in the morning. And I said, and that's where it becomes difficult. Most people can't do it. And, and, and it starts to grind on them. So I show them several tricks on, that I've learned that to look into the sun. I said, now, if you watch me, I said, you see the shade of this tree? I stand in the shade. The sun's there, but I'm looking into the shade. So, And a lot of times I show them how to hold my hat or put a shirt over it. There's several things that we do that you can look into that, that into that sun because you've got to look into the sun or you're gonna miss those those northwest cuts to where those deer land because that's where that's where it is. Dwayne, talk a little bit about in that same situation. Um, let's you know you're hunting with a buddy or you know a, a multiple people, and you know you've got the opportunity to be looking in those shaded cuts. And then when you do spot a deer, and let's say you're not in shooting range, um, walk us through how potentially leaving a spotter and, 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 you know, keeping someone on that deer, how you go about then moving a guy into position 
um, where you can then shoot into that shaded cut. How, how do you do that? Jay, that's, that's a learned thing. Uh, and, and the reason that I say that is because when I give the lessons, and I, I try to explain, okay, we see that buck right there, right? All right, now, okay, when you leave this hill and go over there, you're on your own. You just put on an Easter egg hunt. I said, it's, you have to have somebody helping you. And I said, so you don't want to walk on the same side of the ridge the deer's on. He's going to leave you. You don't want to. You don't want to walk out an open hillside so he can see you. So you have to have somebody directing you on the opposite side of the hill that the deer's on, and then talk to you to ease up to the top, and then the deer straight across from you. And I said, if you don't have that, it's brutal. I said, you're probably not going to kill the deer. It's going to be an Easter egg hunt. So uh, what I'm trying to tell you is get a friend. And flip a quarter, do whatever it takes, and 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 have them walk you in with radios or hand signals or whatever you want to do, and that's that's how we do it, you know. And 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 so in the glassing lessons, I every time I say, you see that buck there, he said, yeah. How would you kill it? Well, ninety percent of them, Jay, want to get on the same hillside as a deer. Right. They say, I'd go around and come on the top. I said, you go around and get on the top, and, and you're running out of the world. I said, you've got to stay away. you got to stay across the canyon from the deer if you're hunting with a rifle. If you're hunting with a bow, that's another story. But when you're hunting with a rifle, you've got to come in from this, this other side and ease up and sit down there, and then you'll say, all right, uh, all right, Nikki. I do it with Nikki all the time. I said, Nikki, you see where the tree is? It's busted off. Jack, Jack, yeah. He's laying to the left. He says, I can't see it. I said, he's got to get up just so we'll sit there and wait him out and, and yeah i think that's a huge him. point of of being able to have a po- a common point of interest between you and the spotter so that even if you don't see where the deer is specifically you still have the dead you know the dead tree with the white you know limb hanging off the left side and that's a you know or whatever it's a yucca or no, some, that's some, yeah. some common point that yes, you both can say, can you see the, the, the forked pine tree with the V in the middle? Yes, I see that. Okay, the deer is 50 yards to the left of that bedded down. I can't see it. It's okay. You just That's be right. patient. The deer is going to get up as long as you can see the pine tree. You know, do you see the little orange uh, oak that's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I see that, but I don't see the deer. That's okay. You're, you're, you're inching your way closer to having, you know, several common points of where the deer is at. Then it just becomes a matter of being patient and and knowing that you're in the game, your gun's set up, and you know that you're you're you have a chance. It's when you don't have that common point of interest, um, or or you know common point that you both can say, yes, I see that white rock, um, that things can go crazy, right? That's everything you're saying is what we try to do. The other thing is we try to do if we can do it, Jay. Is we try to sit down, set up in the shade of a tree. Once you cross all that ridge, sit down in the shade of the tree. So then you, a guy doesn't have a glare on his scope, and all those little small things makes a difference. And then get the guy all set up like that, so he can shoot. And then, uh, and I'll tell Nikki, he's there. Last year that happened to us. We had to sit there for about three hours. I said he's still there, Nick. He's just sitting there. And then I said he's up. And Nick said, he, I said, is he up? He's just standing up, Nick. He took about three steps, and Nick says, I got him. And that's it. And the client killed the deer, and, and the rest is history. But, but you, you, you've you got to be able to build that relationship with your friend, and you've got to trust what he tells you. He's he's laying there because most people get discouraged, Jay. 
Oh, man, he got away. He got up. I did. And they start moving around on that hill. And as soon as you start moving, that, that sound echoes across that canyon, and they're gone. Yeah, for sure. Uh, wouldn't you also agree that these early season hunts, um, until really the rut really kicks in, I mean, the the most mature, bigger bucks, they don't move a whole lot. Would you agree with that? So they don't move, if they don't you move see at them all, one day and for whatever yeah. reason you can't get them shot and it, you know, and it gets dark or something, I mean, they're going to be somewhere pretty close. Would you agree? Oh, they, they, they don't move. They don't move at all. I, I, that's, that's what I've learned about chasing big, big bucks. And when I say big, I'm talking Boone and Crockett to up to 130. They, they're in a little... I chased a deer years ago, Jay, and I may have told you this, and it was five cedar trees on this bald ridge. They're great big ones, and they're all clustered together. And I've seen this gigantic buck go in there, and I moved in every direction I could move for all in there for about half a mile away looking in. I never could see that deer. And I went back there the next morning at, at set up over there and i'll be go to heck i seen him about 100 yards from those trees go in there again he went right in there i sat there for four days before i finally got a crack at that deer and, and when he come out we shot he scored 122 but if you'd have walked up to that deer from any direction He'd have heard you coming across that open hill slides, and he'd have went out left, right, high, and low. You wouldn't have killed him. And so he was safe, and he, he'd, he'd lived there probably his whole life, and nobody killed him. I just happened to catch him before he, before the, uh, he got into those trees, before it got, the sun got up too much. Yeah, yeah, they're awesome for sure. Um, Dwayne, I know you are uh, got a pack. I really appreciate your time. I want to wish you the best of success up there. Um, on those uh, early Kayabab hunts, and we'll check in with you after the hunt and probably talk uh, before the late hunts. Uh, but drive safe, and um, I, <clears throat> I appreciate all the time that you give us here on the podcast, and I uh, wish you well up there. God bless you, Jay, and good luck with all your endeavors. God bless everybody. All right, buddy. Take care.